0: Hey, what's going on, Brotato? It's your boy, Jerry, the Fitness General Washington, recording episode number 12 of the General Fitness Company cast from General Fitness Company Studios. (laughs) So, yo, check it out. Today, we're going to be talking with my good friend and former esteemed colleague, David Charney. Now, he's a um, personal trainer as well as a therapist. Uh, he studied at pcom as well as a few other programs around the uh, around the country in uh, sports psychology and uh, mindfulness and performance enhancing uh, therapies so it 's a pretty interesting way he has a quite bit background in the psychology field as uh, well as with the uh, personal training and i think it 's um, really where I would like to see uh, personal training and uh, training in general start to start to Move toward, and I think you can see that nowadays, it's like as people are starting to open up and uh, have meditation and mindfulness is uh, more uh, become more mainstream in that space. You see that um, these types of programs are becoming more and more prevalent across you know, the internet and um, just in schools, public schools. Yeah, I think I just saw something on the local news the other day where they're teaching mindfulness to uh, like kindergartners and elementary school kids. So I think it's really interesting. I think it's a very important that uh we start to start uh, start to look at that because uh we see that we've had uh we see the effects of not being mindful. So I think it's important that you know that we add another piece to the puzzle as we uh, set up try to set up that framework for a more mental, physical, and spiritual fitness. Because you know, at the end of the day, we're looking to level up our mind, our body, and our soul, right? So without further ado, We'll have a little conversation with my friend Dave, Mr. Dave Sharney. All right, let's get it in, Dave.
1: and the place looks good.
0: Thanks, appreciate it, man. So uh, what are we talking about? Mindfulness, my man. All right. We're gonna talk about mindfulness and uh, pain. I really don't have like a ton on terms of like... You lead, <laughs> you, lead, you lead the charge. Yeah, man, man I'm, I'm just gonna, gonna pretty there. much go from like the the, 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 the jump, just kind of ask you about like mindfulness and your, your perspective on it. Yeah, yeah, kind of go sounds good. Since you're the, the mindfulness guy. I, I've,
1: I am the mindfulness guy in many circles. You're rolling.
0: <laughs> you're rolling the whole time? I have everything. That's good. Yeah, that's good. All right. Awesome. Well, I guess we're rolling. So hey, so we're here. We've got our boy Dave Charney over here talking about mindfulness with us over here at General Fitness Company.
1: Yeah, I'm Dave Charney. I wear a lot of hats, but uh, I teach mindfulness in a variety of settings. I usually call myself a mental skills coach when I'm working with athletes. I do just like general mindfulness training for kids as young as kindergarten all the way up to adults, groups, individuals, one-on-one. Um, stuff along those lines. So I do a lot of like performance enhancement using mindfulness, Um, but from there, that's kind of my entry point in. And from there, I've jumped off into doing it as more of a kind of a well-being, wellness um, type of intervention. Well, that's cool.
0: That's what's yeah. up. So, like, what kind of like what people normally come come to you and like seek your help? Like, do you have a typical yeah client? yeah.
1: I mean, so right now I'm actually I I actually go towards into the community okay um, for the most part. So I, I lead groups in schools as an outside provider. Oh, how about that? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Really cool. So uh, I got my training through Mindful Schools. Okay. I think I might have told you a little bit about it over the years. Yeah, um, they're pretty awesome. They they have some of the best teachers in the industry. They're out of Oakland and they do. Um, an online training, okay. um, which is convenient for working folks. And, yeah. you know, it, it's it's at night and online forums um, and, and a lot of support. People who do it usually do it with the intention of teaching it. So oh, okay. um, as I was, like, working with athletes and kind of finding mindfulness personally, mm-hmm. I was trying to, like, uh, up my game and my credibility and deal with the, you know, the imposter syndrome of, yeah. of being a teacher and making sure you're teaching from a place of of knowledge and mm-hmm. not from a place of you know just winging it yeah so uh, I, I went back for some more training with them and uh, they have a whole curriculum training and then I went on to do their year-long um, certification program and that you know really gave me the support and the confidence to then approach a school mm-hmm. um, and say listen you know I could do um, an intervention with the students um, I usually like to request that we incorporate teachers and mm-hmm. parents as well, so it's really being reinforced at home and in the classroom. Um, and the, the general format is like twice a week, 15 to a half hour, mm-hmm. uh, usually like a lesson, kind of an activity uh, with, the, with the kids. Mm-hmm. And so I've had a lot of success with that. I usually have just come in, approached teacher friends of mine and been like, Hey, you know I feel like your administrators, your teachers, your parents would really you know get a kick out of this, especially the the kids would enjoy it, yeah, um so I mean, the general idea is it's not like a behavior modification thing it's not you know come in and fix my kids they're bad, jump it <laughs> yeah. all over the walls, get them to sit still it's okay. really not like that it's not a psychological intervention as far as like for specific psych- psychiatric disorders, it's not like oh. I got a bunch of ADHD. Come get them. Okay. You know? Okay. It's okay. not like that. It's more like um, social emotional learning. Okay. So it's like getting um, people more in touch with uh, self awareness, mm-hmm. uh, emotional awareness. It does help with fo- focus and concentration, of which course. you know all of this stuff. You can see how that would translate to athletics. Yeah, of course, you know, absolutely. And sports and training. So um, you know, from from there, we just kind of try and set an appropriate expectation and. You know, it's it's been a, it's been a good ride. So I've been with fourth graders, I've been with kindergartners, I've been with fifth graders, I've done high school, um, okay. a lot of high school sports. Um, that, that's a really fun age. You can kind of talk in your own voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you'd be surprised, like the fifth and fourth graders, you they can kinda, be yourself, and they they get it. They, they don't, don't look like they get it. They don't even look at you sometimes.
0: <laughs> but um, the kids are, it.
1: yeah, the kids like that actually come back and, and maybe get the most out of it. So, really? Why is that? No um, you say they get the most out of it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's just like the kids who look like they're listening maybe just want to look like they're listening. <laughs>
0: And, and the kids who are actually that. listening don't really
1: care what they look like. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. I
0: remember that back in the days too. That was <laughs> in class. Like, oh, that was you? No,
1: I, I, would think, I would think you were the opposite.
0: No, I was totally like paying attention, and then I got to be like, when the teacher wasn't paying, paying attention, I'd be like, you know, messing around, and then the teacher looked really? like...
1: So the oh, Jerry good. that I know
0: uh-huh. is
1: endlessly curious with knowledge in oh, ridiculous areas. <laughs> so when did you change and start like wanting to know what people were were putting out?
0: Yeah, well you know the thing is it's kind of it's kind of funny. Back in the uh, I guess yeah since you always know me I've always been that kind of person. Yeah. But before that you know I was just always kind of like focused like with track uh, and stuff I was yeah. just like let me just do this this one thing like tunnel vision and then like I stopped track and I was like well there's so much more you know Mm -hmm. I finished you know I finished running in Spain I came back to America and I was like oh there's so much more out in the world and I know so much about this one thing but I feel like I know so little about the Mm -hmm. rest of the world so um like, kind of, you were saying it's a behavior, not a behavior modification that you do, but when I came to, to Philadelphia, I was actually working in something similar to kind of what you're doing, except for, it was a actual program that was inside of a middle school. Okay. So, so it was like, you'd have your uh, your behavioral therapist that would be like, um, go into, this, in the, into the classes. You have your mobile therapist that was like your, I guess he called it the BSC, she had her, her master's, or he would have her his master's behavioral uh,
1: science consultant um i'm not his bsc is, is yeah uh, yeah i think it is a bsc i'm <laughs> not sure what there's uh, that degree
0: is <laughs> I, I don't know so so i this don't is think like it's a grant funded program yeah it was a grant funded so. program we had it he had a, uh, uh, uh it went all the way from uh we had a phys uh what do they call the psych psych nah what do it call it? Not, not a psychologist a psychiatrist yeah a psychiatrist so, uh, so we had uh, we had a psychiatrist that would prescribe, you wow. know, the actual program to her, to the kids in the program. Prescribe medication? Um yeah, yeah, yeah for the psychiatrist, yeah. See, like for the most part a lot of the kids kind of had like the ODD or the ADHD. I still remember actually the the uh, the the, uh, the DSM-4 uh, for us, We're five
1: now, brother. Yeah, is it 5 now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Five, five was published in uh, 2013 I believe. Oh man I'm, I'm five years behind the game! <laughs> it might have been finalized in 2013 it might have been even 2011. Okay so it's yeah. been a while since yeah. we did that. So they'll, they'll be on 5.2 shortly. Are you serious? Yeah. So they use yeah. numbers still and stuff? Yeah it's, it's a coding system it's for really for insurance reimbursement in um, my mind. Okay. So like when you think of ADHD mm-hmm. you think of that as a label right? And yeah, yeah. You know that labels are used to simplify things. Absolutely. So they help you know as far as picking an intervention that might work for that group of people but I like to compare it to race actually so think about it this way okay not all black people are the same yeah true but they're all black that's true not, it's about there's a lot of variability within the group yeah I agree almost that. more variability within the group than between groups hmm so it's similar to that way yeah, okay. with uh, these types of diagnoses uh. the the presentation can be so varied that somebody with ADHD and another person with ADHD could look totally, totally different, different and need different things. So, I like to remind myself that, I like to remind people that, yeah. that you don't treat the diagnosis, you treat the individual. The individual, yeah. It's kind of like
0: with personal training, right? Exactly, like we exactly, do personal exactly. training. Exactly, exactly, and personalize. Absolutely, that's true. Yeah, I guess, so, it's almost like, like they say almost with anything, like, I, I mean, uh, the, uh, the the buzz or whatever that people were talking about is like, the spectrum with like autism, but it seems like almost everything has a spectrum then. Oh yeah. I I, I agree with that personally. Yeah. But uh,
1: there you know, there are there are reasons for like diagnostics. And of course, yeah. It helps with, with out. it helps with insurance, that's a big part of it. Um but coming from a place of evidence based research. Mm-hmm. So right now there's a big push in psychology mm-hmm. to have research supporting your intervention. Um there's been a there's been a big scandal kind of around um, Repl- re- repli- uh, replicated studies. Oh. Um, so basically they, they went and replicated a lot of studies and, and found it. that they didn't find the same results.
0: I found, you know what, I actually heard something. Like I was, <laughs> I'm a nerd. So I was uh, watching, watching listening to Planet Money. Believe it or not. They I don't actually, know what that is. You never heard Planet Money? Yeah. Check it out. NPR Planet Money. <laughs> <laughs> so no, Planet Money, seriously, they, um, it talks about all kinds of interesting Subjects and then this particular one, I think from two weeks ago, they're talking about like what you're just talking Uh about and how like all these studies that they thought like were legit. Like I guess one that they they talked about was the um, the ESP study where they said like people could predict the future Mm -hmm. or whatnot, Mm -hmm. like based on like some computer program. Like somebody would put up like these particular patterns and whatnot, and those patterns like. People could predict them, but like when you asked them about them, they couldn't figure out why. But then afterwards, they redid the test and they like found out like 90% of the time that like that wasn't accurate. But what the thing is, I guess with these studies, why they why they were doing these studies, they found out that um like the more you do, I can't remember what the actual biases, but the more you do a study and the more like obviously you have to get paid for the study, you try to find something that's gonna be that people would say, oh let's publish this study. So what happens if you find if you do something like the ESP study? You like all right, you don't find conclusive results. You don't find conclusive results. You don't find conclusive results, and you find something that looks like it could be something, and it could be interesting. And then because it's interesting, you put it out to the publishers or whatnot, and they're like, oh, that's interesting. And then all of a sudden, you got yourself a study.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of in the social psych kind of a controversy. There's a, a little bit of that kind of researcher bias stuff. Um, you can alter p values, which is like the the effect size essentially. Oh man, so, he said p values. Yeah, he Statistics so, on us. That's so, one and I mean, two. You
0: know, it's that
1: type of stuff. It's not always like the world is gray. Yeah, of it's course. It's not yeah. always that like This definitely works all the time and then now we, this new study says it, it never works. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that was a big kind of a, a pushback on us and saying, you know, you better check Check yourself check and make your sure work. what you're putting out actually works and being able to prove it. So it, it's hard Yeah, research um, is trying to take a splice of reality, but yeah. you know, there's observational data which is not as well respected, and mm-hmm. um, anecdotal yeah. evidence. I like, heard my boy did, blah, blah, blah. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> being able to support what you're doing with evidence is important, and so some of the some of the time that kind of narrows down what you offer people, you do what's called some of these manualized uh, treatments, which mindfulness gets into too. So like, for instance, the Mindful Schools curriculum is a, is a manualized, Therapy, Therapy Uh maybe not the word, it's a manualized intervention. Week one you do this, week two you do this, but what I do is I'll adapt it and change it and use my own voice and you know, I'll just, you know, if if week two is mindful breathing, Mm -hmm. depending on the room, I might bring in a different kind of an activity. So there's the ways of moving it around. You can't do that in a a study. No, you can't. It changes the fidelity of the study. If, If Dave's doing the curriculum totally different than Sally's doing it, how can you compare students in those two
0: groups. No, that's true, yeah. It's like comparing apples yeah, and oranges more yeah. or less. Yeah,
1: So, you know, there's part of that, and then the, this idea of like, so in pharmacology you need like three randomized controlled trials that prove that a, a medicine works, and so right now a lot of psychotherapy is being subjected to those types of standards, mm, okay. um, so in order to say it's an evidence-based treatment mm. um, and, and being used in a, in a medical field, and then dealing with in, in insurance as far as parity laws. So right now with health insurance, at least since the Affordable Care Act, they're supposed to get reimbursement, providers are supposed to get reimbursement the same way that they get it for medical interventions for mental health. And oh, that's not no, always the case, yeah, it doesn't really happen. It's hard to find. Um, but, you know, that's the idea. So if that were the case, you'd have to have evidence-based uh, therapies. And so, uh, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy is one of the ones that stands out as CBT. a really reputable uh, therapy and it works really well. My personal style is to adapt and customize and personalize um, from there though, but I'm not coming from nowhere. I'm
0: coming yeah, from yeah, you something got your foundation that, that and something. has, exactly, that makes exactly sense. has some support. Oh, there you go. Well, hey, you we got our boy Dave getting it in, and you know what happened? I forgot to record on my phone. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna officially record this now. Dave, tell me like, how did you get into like, so you asked me, so like how did you get into mindfulness? Like where did you, where was your transition point?
1: Yeah, so uh, I guess the story begins for me when my dad got cancer. Oh. Geez. So um, my dad passed away in 2015 from salivary gland cancer. Oh, uh, yeah, it's a rare, it's a rare cancer. He um, ended up going to MD Anderson in Houston. Okay. he's kind of specialist in head and neck cancer. Um, and he met a man there, um, Kind of they have a wellness program and they had recommended um, mindfulness meditation as one of the many things they, Tai Chi, Mm -hmm. um, you know, all kinds of stuff that they threw threw at him to kind of support him in addition to the medical treatment that he was getting. And uh, it sounded pretty cool. At the time, I was getting my master's at Temple in sport and exercise psychology. Okay. And um, just kind of learning and absorbing. I had been a coach. I know I know how to motivate people, you know, that kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. kind of natural when you've been an athlete as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I, I was like listening to his recordings too and kind of seeing what, what this was all about. Uh-huh. Um, he came home and actually did an eight week course through Jefferson. Okay. Uh, over in Cherry Hill. So did you like the, um, so they
0: also do like some kind of mindfulness. Oh just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. Jefferson
1: and then he did Penn, which I later did as well. Okay. Penn does the eight week foundations for mindfulness and it's geared towards stress management and it's, it's pretty. It's a manu- It's manualized. Okay. Um, but it's not part of a research study. Okay. And um, it's uh, it's it's pretty intensive. You're there for like. I think maybe two two hours each session. Excuse me.
0: You're right. Let <coughs> me so, grab some water. And uh, yeah, what, what's in the mini fridge? And, uh, it's all waters. It's all cold waters. I'll take a cold water. It's uh, it's water
1: some... and diet water. Did you have a preference? Uh, zero. <laughs> water zero. Diet water. Water zero. we saw this episode yesterday uh, of Rachel Kimmy Schmidt, and they have Fiji water. She's hilarious. They said uh, diet water, and I was like, that is so true. She's like, hilarious. Diet water. Thanks, bro. For sure. So, yeah, uh, before my throat was cracking, I was saying that we basically. I, I listened to his recordings and they resonated with me on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess as they're like a relaxation type of thing. Okay. Um, yeah. Which I later learned is not always the case for everybody all the time, and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later. But, okay. Um, yeah, so they resonated with me. I also. They resonated with my. Schooling and thinking that I thought this would be awesome for athletes. Okay. Um, little up did I know that like some people were doing that. Not a lot of people though. This was like 2010. Um, so okay, I yeah. definitely want to shout out like um, Catholic University of America, uh, Dr. Kaufman, Dr. Pinot, Dr. Glass. They were they were working on research on this um,
0: already. Who's, what's um, that, Dr. Glass's first name? That sounds familiar. Uh, Carol. Oh. Was she
1: a peacock? No, they're they're from CUA. Oh man! yeah, but they developed um mindful sport performance enhancement and manualized treatment for athletes okay, and uh I adapted that for my thesis and and did that for uh lacrosse team that I was coaching okay. uh Hill West, oh um, okay, um, yeah, it was done, good but... good results, really fun, nothing publishable, but uh uh really good response and and people really enjoyed it but i mean let's let's rewind a little bit. I didn't just. Teach because I, I found it. I went through the eight week course, yeah. I took mm-hmm. some teacher trainings um, through Penn, and uh, you know, it's really important from the very beginning to teach from the basis of a personal practice. Yeah. So, being told that right away, I wanted to go deep into the personal practice mm-hmm. so that I could be a better teacher. That was my motivation. Oh, so, that was my entry point trying to. So, I was basically simultaneously learning mindfulness personally and learning how to teach it. Ah, uh, and that's then. Maybe a couple years later towards the end of my master's program. I found mindful schools and my, my personal practice took off from there because they really put an emphasis on that. Uh-huh. They make you retake a fundamentals course before you start their teacher trainings. Uh, so I did, went through all their trainings and then their year-long program, they bookend it with a um, week-long meditation retreat. which is like really um, a profound experience. It's a deep dive. Uh, (laughs) Their retreats actually were not seven days of silence. We did the first couple days of silence Mm -hmm. and that was, you know, kind of the emphasis on your own practice and I got some really amazing support from the teachers there Uh Um, and then towards the end of the retreat you do like teacher trainings. So like conferencing and Honestly, the other people who did the trainings with me were as impressive, almost as the teachers. Like, wow. really awesome people who I still stay connected with. We have gotcha. forums cool. online, and and you know, collective wisdom. We call it PDFs, full of resources to do with kids and adults, and so um, continuous learning. You know that, yeah. And, and then I've just kind of continued on from there. I've read a ton of books about it, and you know, it's the subtle shift happened for me where I realized that in my work it was and, and in my personal practice it was more than just a performance enhancement kind yeah. of a method there was something more to be gained as far as quality of life and well-being and mm-hmm. self-regulation and honestly for me the the biggest benefits have been interpersonal interpersonal um, like between conversations like, yeah you know? uh, the way the way you view your relationships mm-hmm. your kind of um, a little bit less out of your head. So I always liken it to when we're having a conversation, we want it to be, and it's hard when we're interviewing, but we want it to be <laughs> between me and you. But yeah. often what happens is I'm having a conversation in my mind about you. You're having a conversation in your mind about me. Absolutely. So there's like four people in the conversation. And it takes something away from like an authentic connection. I agree. And man. so um, having authentic connections and, and being in relationship to people and kind of being... Um, more outward and less self-conscious yeah. has been the most tangible benefits that I've felt from it. You know, I can't levitate. You yeah, know? yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you're working on it though. You're still, you're still working on yeah, it. You know, yeah, okay? that's, um, Maybe that's, two more years, that's right? It's more advanced. So, but uh, that,
0: that's definitely what
1: I've uh, experienced.
0: So you're t- So I like what you're uh, what you're talking about with like kind of what you felt felt personally, like with the uh, with the mindfulness. But um, explain to me like. Like for a layman, for anybody that's like has no idea what mindfulness or okay, present. is all About sure. like maybe you know maybe touch on that a little bit. Yeah, I
1: mean the most accepted definition is uh, purposely paying attention to the present moment on purpose, um, non-judgmentally. Uh, basically, if you want to know how something works, you want to observe it. Mm -hmm. So if you want to know the way the mind works, you have to observe it. And so that's basically what mindfulness is. You're observing the way your mind works, how it interacts in different experiences, um, and then getting into the mind-body connection. Mm -hmm. So I'm always asking groups that I teach, where is your mind? You know? In here? (laughs) Uh, And you answered it just the way I wanted to.
0: (laughs) it was a trap. Uh,
1: Trap! (laughs) basically, Basically, you know, that's your brain. Yes. But your mind could be on yesterday, on tomorrow, oh, on yes. lunch. Yeah. Yeah. So you're bringing your mind back to where your body is. And that's essentially the mind-body connection. Oh. So that's what we're working on. Um, we're doing it over and over again. And when we say non-judgmentally, it's like we're doing it gently. So mm-hmm. it's not like we're a de- death grip lock on the present moment. Uh-huh. We allow a gentle awareness so that when it does drift away, we let it. You let it. So okay. that we can bring it back. Mm. And that's a strengthening, that's a, a skill that so, we're developing so, for noticing that your mind's not where you
0: want it to be and bringing it back. So, um, so how does like meditation play into this? Is meditation like part of that mindfulness or is this something completely sure. different? Sure. No,
1: I mean, so meditation is a, is a component of mindfulness. You mm-hmm. can't meditate without practicing mindfulness, but you can practice mindfulness in all kinds of daily activities. So when I teach mindfulness meditation, mm-hmm. I like to reintegrate into conversation more quickly even at the beginning so that people, you know, if you can be mindful in your mm-hmm. meditation practice, quiet in a dark room and calm, that, that's, uh, that's nice, but it's not that useful if you can't integrate that into your daily in life. Daily, okay. So early on it's important to start to integrate that into your, into your everyday life, your tasks, your Washing dishes, your conversations, you're playing sports. Yeah. Um, so you know, mindfulness is a formal practice. Uh-huh. The formal practice of mindfulness is meditation. Okay. And then there's the informal practice, and that's just life.
0: And that's just life, like, huh? Just living. Yeah.
1: And that's it's it's intentional living. Okay. So without intention, with an eye, there okay. is no attention. Attention can wander and flit about. If you can't um, anchor it down, we use the word anchor Anchor. word. Yeah, anchors. Like Mm -hmm. it keeps your attention from floating away. Mm -hmm. You have to set an intention for what your anchor is. So for right now, my anchor is to listen to you and respond and have a thoughtful conversation Mm -hmm. so that when my mind goes elsewhere, I have something to bring it back Mm -hmm. to. Okay. Same way in meditation, you might use the breath as an anchor, Mm -hmm. you might use your sit bones, your feet on the floor, Mm -hmm. um, all kinds of things, you can use mantras. Uh, stuff stuff along those lines so
0: it's uh, so like with meditation because uh, you know i think that trips up a lot of people like people don't know what to concentrate on when they mm-hmm. meditate they like all the people that come to me they're like when i meditate Jerry, i just fall asleep after like a minute so like i always tell them i mean i have my own personal meditation practice so like four phase meditation virtually essentially and you probably are familiar with this cuz i think it's kind of a mixture of meditation and mindfulness and um, you know I'm coming from my from my personal training background you obviously are mind uh, the mind guy. So, I mean, for me it's like the first part is just kind of having mind like you said the intention of like what I'm going to focus on trying to just like relax and just focus on like all right, today I'm going to think about like how I can maybe do something better or maybe how I can kind of like relax or whatever. And then the second part I'll be I'll think about like, you know, um Things that make me feel good, or things that I've accomplished in the past that kind of put me in a, a higher level of thinking, mm-hmm. and like the third, I will kind of, I would think about um, what I want again, kind of like what I what I want to accomplish and what I feel like mm-hmm. is is feasible for me, and then you know the fourth, I kind of just chill out and let it hopefully come into my body. Okay. So. So
1: let me just kind of summarize what I think I'm hearing. Okay. Uh, phase one is kind of setting an intention, kind of a global intention for maybe the day or your life or mm-hmm. some kind of a goal oriented intention exactly. um, Then two, you're kind of using maybe visualization or um, just you know conjuring thoughts that cultivate some kind of a good positive feeling and yeah. confidence yeah almost like priming um, myself yeah, or... exactly And then you're coming back and kind of bringing that intention back into your conscious uh, purview mm-hmm. and, and so sort of bringing that in and kind of creating an association with the positive feelings that you're also cultivating. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the end, you're just kind of uh, sitting back and observing that experience and kind of allowing it to, to be as it is. Yeah, does that sound
0: about right? Does that sound like the
1: right way to meditate or right not? Well, there's no wrong way to meditate. There is no wrong way to meditate? Well, that's important, right? So the non-judgmental part. Ah. So it, it's, I mean, there are techniques. Yeah. Um, what you described is not essentially the way I've learned mindfulness meditation. Okay. Um, but if that works for you, why don't you stop
0: doing it? <laughs> yeah, that? yeah, I suppose, right? I guess if there's yeah. no wrong way to right, do it, right? right? Do what works for you. Yeah,
1: I, I, with mindfulness, when people say, am I doing this right, though, the, the, the answer, the pithy answer is you can't do this wrong. But the actual you know, b- thought behind that is the idea, like what I was getting at is you do allow your mind to drift mm-hmm. yeah. because you want to be able to bring it back. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's short moments over and over again. Short moments of awareness, they drift, you bring it back, you start again. The, the mindfulness is not the ability to maintain attention on your anchor, it's uh. the ability to notice you've left. As soon as you notice you've left, you're really already back.
0: Whoa! Damn! <laughs> 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 just, I, I, while, while I'm while I'm
1: blowing minds, let me just preface it in saying that these are not new ideas. These are not Dave Charney ideas. That's all right, though. You but know, you these know, are, yeah. these are are things that are, have been passed down, and it's important to point out that mindfulness, secular meditation, mm-hmm. comes from a Buddhist basis. Okay. Um, and I can you know kind of help differentiate that. You know, as far as how it's secular now is we're not working off dogmas. Um, we're not working off any. Um, Not not a lot of rituals other than um, meditation. Um, We're not talking about uh, an afterlife necessarily or reincarnation Mm -hmm. or or karma so much. Um, And and also when you're using mindfulness as a psychological intervention, which I'm not currently when I go into schools, Mm -hmm. but uh, in my Mm -hmm. doctoral studies, you know, in the future as a a therapist and a a psychologist, I would. Mm you're essentially dealing with the content of a person's mind mm-hmm. and, and then you're bringing awareness to it and then through therapy which is different than mindfulness meditation okay. yeah. you can manage that and, and help to like do stuff like cognitive restructuring where you can challenge a thought that's not helpful uh-huh. or, okay. or putting you in, in, a, in a bad mind state um, but mindfulness itself is just the observation of that and you know, going even further down the line, it's the observation of the illusory nature of, of mind wow. and of self and, and of all these things that is not really necessarily what we would deal
0: with in therapy. Wow, that is like some serious stuff, man. <laughs> but uh, Yeah,
1: it's a secular practice. It's yeah. really just a so- social emotional skill that we're teaching and we're not going beyond that. And that's important, right? Church mm-hmm. and state, we're not going to schools teaching a religion. That, uh, yeah, and so that's, that's true. you know yeah. there have been issues in, in in your neck of the woods uh, mm-hmm. and all over the country, but I think in Connecticut there have been lawsuits and really? uh, for different mindfulness curriculums. But they they usually win because it's it's pretty easy to prove that this is you know more of a uh, an intervention to help well being rather, than, rather yeah. than yeah exactly. Oh,
0: okay, so I have uh, a buddy down at um, at Pcom. He's a doctor. Uh, He's a buddy and for some reason the name uh, slips my mind. His name is... Jim Guy? Yeah, you know him? My guy, Brad?
1: Brad! Yeah, Brad's my my guy. I mean, Brad... Basically, through talking to me, convinced me to apply no way. to the program where he's a, a very revered professor. And he is. He, he is. He's a, psych- he's, a he's a psychologist. <laughs> yeah. He's such a
0: like normal dude. You wouldn't even know. Yeah, more than normal dude, he's a genius. Yes.
1: He's he's so up on like all of the readings. He reads really? more than anybody I know. He knows all the research. Um, super busy. He's got a ton of projects going on. Really. Um, and he's also.
0: And he's Jack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's Jack. All around. Most importantly. Yes. Yeah, all around, awesome yeah, guy. Yeah. Well, okay. So Brad was telling me about this thing called motivational interviewing. Of course. Does that have anything to do with like? Um, what is it? Mindfulness and meditation? Where is that? So the intersection for me, mm-hmm. because I work
1: uh, in a, a number of settings where I use motivational interviewing and Brad is one of the people who've, who have trained me in motivational interviewing. We actually work together in the uh, Healthy Monks project that he put together <laughs> where we helped um, people in a Lao temple. A Buddhist temple in uh, South Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to butcher the name of it, uh, but basically, there it's a it's a health fair, mm-hmm. and they go through different um, stations, getting like uh, their blood glucose taken for diabetes, their mm-hmm. blood pressure taken. Um, we t- give them, you know education on diet and stuff and and so when we get to that point that's where the psychology students come in and do motivational interviewing okay. which essentially is um Yeah, can you that for us yeah, yeah, so you're appealing to a person's values um, to get them to come to the best decision is, in terms of a behavior change. Okay. So uh, the, the research on this really started with um, alcohol abuse huh. uh, and, okay. and, and drugs and, and smoking cessation, but um, it's very prevalent in healthcare right now because a lot of um, behavioral health, mm-hmm. for instance, mm-hmm. getting people to make lifestyle changes yeah. that will apply, you know the deal, I mean, yeah, we, we do that too. You know, getting people to change their diet, their lifestyle, their exercise habits, for their best interest. Um, A lot of times that factor alone, getting high glucose or high blood pressure or your doctor saying you should do this Mm -hmm. is not motivation enough. Um, There's a concept called psychological reactance which I feel like both of us are high on. Basically, if you're high on psychological reactance, when people tell you to do something, you want to do the opposite. Yeah, pretty much. You yeah, know, that's likes, nice. well, I, I don't want to say nobody, but most people don't like respond you. well to that. Yeah, I, I really don't. Yeah. So I really love motivational interviewing, which basically has to do with talking to a person and getting to know them and building a rapport and understanding what's important to them, and mm. then you know trying to draw a connection back to um, how what's important to them might be affected by you know the behaviors and, and why um. they might want to change them, but. You know, really pulling back and letting them find that you're trying to elicit <laughs> yeah. change talk,
0: rather than telling them you need to do this. You yeah, kind of yeah, make them yeah. Think themselves like, oh, I need to do this. Yeah, basically, than, you you lead the horse to water. Ah, yes. Um, and there's
1: you know scripts and, and and helpful stuff for that. But again, my mindfulness training helps me to just be as natural as possible with it. Mm. Um, we're looking at um, and Brad put this together. It's called the work hard uh, willingness uh, a person's perceived willingness to change mm-hmm. um, their ability to change mm-hmm. so um, willingness we usually will do uh, what's called an importance um, um, thermometer we okay. so say on a scale of one to ten how important is it for you to stop drinking you know and they might say mm, 7 uh-huh. we mean we may be like well so seven's on the board if they say six we might be like Ooh. you're not ready <laughs> come back <laughs> you ain't wanna, ready <laughs> but seven or above we can move on and say all right so you're willing but how confident are you about doing this from one to ten mm-hmm. and oh and then with a the thermometer if they're a seven you might say uh okay you know, so a seven that that's pretty good why wasn't it a five or six and you mm-hmm. say so it kind of builds them up they're yeah. like yeah yeah, yeah. And, and so you could even go the other way and say why wasn't it eight or nine and yeah. they, can, they can kind of divulge things that could h- help you know what they might need mm-hmm. and you do the same thing with confidence and they kind of let you kind of figure out you know what would make you more confident mm-hmm. you know it's a lot of asking questions um, it's a lot of summary statements yeah. so uh, reflective listening making sure you acknowledge the fact that you're listening
0: oh, by uh, like kind of repeating what they're saying essentially, like I acknowledge the yeah, fact that you're listening yeah. but
1: I try to do it really naturally and, yeah. in in, 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 you know, I'm not, like, parroting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, which people do and yeah. it's, it's useful, but, you know, yeah. I, I try to be as natural as possible. So, the only intersection to me is just the interpersonal nature of things. Not getting overwhelmed by my own analysis of the situation and just kind of being outward and present and being able to actually hear the, the patient and make a, a genuine connection. That makes
0: sense, yeah. You kind of just want to, like, it's almost, you know, it's almost like, kind of like creating that rapport with somebody and like, because you have that rapport, they're able to give you a little bit more about themselves. I guess like, you know, you're not gonna walk up to a stranger and then say, you need to do this, this, and this, and then they're not gonna listen to you no matter how much money they probably pay you or whatnot if they have, don't have that rapport. And I think I've had the same thing with like clients. I have some clients that, you know, wanna pay me all kinds of money, but they don't wanna do anything. They'll give me like, yeah, I'll pay you extra. I'm like, all right, great. And then they like, well, why don't you do these push-ups? And they're like, whoa. Can't you do them for me? <laughs> yeah. So you want to you want to appeal
1: to what a person finds important. Exactly. What they care about in life, and try to connect the behavior that you think is in their best nature to the things that they think matter the most to them. Mm-hmm. So usually, you know, family is always a big one. Yeah. And, and sometimes health isn't enough. You know. Yeah. Sometimes health isn't enough.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. You know, it's kind of interesting like, how that works. It's like everybody they want. Uh, I think my my. Uh, we guys I listen to Ty Lopez. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know Ty. You don't know Ty? Well, I'm sure some people might, out there might have watched Ty a couple times. But anyways, yeah, he says that everybody wants the good life, but not everybody gets the good life. Because not everybody has that mindset to get past like, those, motiva- those, those factors that might hold them back. You know, some people just can't get it done. Yeah, I,
1: I agree with that. Um, but it, you know, my whole big thing is that I'm very state versus trade. So I don't okay. think you have to be born that way. I think that can be developed and cultivated, and sometimes mm-hmm. from the outside, and sometimes from the inside. You, know, mm-hmm. you, can, you can help cultivate that yourself. But people get really hooked on, I'm this type of person, uh-huh. and, Yeah. And so I'm stuck this way. Uh-huh. And I think more times than not, most things, and this also harkens back to mindfulness, and mm-hmm. this concept of impermanence, which is a really, really important big part of mindfulness And mindfulness and meditation Mm -hmm. uh, it it comes from Buddhism and it's basically the idea that nothing's permanent right so we can take that on a narrow scale or a grand scale Mm -hmm. so like on a narrow scale I might be you know cranky but I don't have to necessarily do anything about that Mm -hmm. it's gonna go away on its own or if I'm meditating I might have like a crick in my back Mm -hmm. but if I just observe it and give it space to breathe Mm -hmm. it might change especially when I stopped wishing it to change, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it yeah. just let it flow on its own in its own time. So even chronic pain, uh-huh. which is where mindfulness really made its segue into secular society through Jon Kabat-Zinn, is this idea that chronic pain is not always a 10 out of 10. You know, if you observe it clearly, mm-hmm. you can see moments where it's a two and moments where it's a five. and mm-hmm. So it's not always the same. And then, you know, you, go, you can go global on this and, and like, you know, Everything atrophies and everything entrophies and everything dies and you know Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah things, uh-huh. it's just a that circle c- of life. That cycle. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, that that's a big part of that.
0: No, that makes sense. Yeah, so like I I, I see that it's just kind of like that, like Bruce Lee's like be like water, right? Just kind of flow with everything. Not Bruce Lee. Yeah, yeah, he's that dude. He's got like I got like a million quotes on my computer of uh, Bruce Lee, and I put them up sometimes. Wise guy. Yeah, I put them up on. This is normally the board that I normally write. <laughs> write my Do quotes on. Do you know? Uh,
1: did Bruce Lee have a meditation practice
0: <sighs> other than martial arts? Uh, I can't think of like. I don't know. Like I mean, I think he's Buddhist. Like, I think it's Soul. I mean, that's probably his meditation practice.
1: Some of his quotes have resonated with me. Oh, but yeah, so I kind of went off track. But the it's idea okay. of trait versus state, you uh-huh. know, yeah, and of people over identifying with the way they are now and it kind of making them stagnant in a lot of ways. So mm. trying to get people to understand the concept that, you know, of possibility, of you're not stuck this way, you're not this type of person. Mm. So, like, um, per- a person might say, I'm, I'm depressed. Okay. And I would say, well, you're a person who's having a feeling of depression right now. So mm. that even goes back further in the conversation to the labels. You're not your label. Yeah. You're yeah. just a, a present moment experience that changes whether you do anything about it. That's good. That's um, so acceptance and commitment therapy mm-hmm. talks a lot about um, experiential avoidance and experiential acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, ACT is a, a mindfulness-based therapy okay and so this experiential avoidance is this idea that how i'm feeling right now is not okay so i have to do something about it and then weaving in impermanence and a, a mindfulness practice you get to a position where you can observe and realize that you don't have to act on every urge okay you don't have to be just like on this automatic seesaw of approach and avoidance you yeah. know this is no good, I want this, mm-hmm. I can't have that, I want this, I can't have that, so mm-hmm. it's, it, it gives you more of a, a kind of sense of contentment, which I, you know, connect with actual happiness. Yeah,
0: absolutely, yeah, I guess, yeah, because it's kind of like you're not really trying, trying to get happy, just like you're experiencing life and life becomes Yeah, you can stop happy. trying
1: at all, you <laughs> can just
0: be. All right, so hey, you know, we're, at, we're out of time here, but I really appreciate Dave for, good Dave Sharney for coming on over to talk to us about mindfulness. Dave, tell them where we can find you.
1: Yeah, so you can find out a little bit more about what I do at charnycoaching.com. Can you spell that out for me? Yeah, c-h-a-r-n-y coaching.com. Essentially, I offer some one-on-one mindfulness training. I also hold a group, 7.30 a.m. at Wow Philly, the warehouse on Watts. That's uh, Broad and Gerard. And uh, so come by anytime, no invite necessary. Also, you can contact me. I I have a Monday morning email that I send out. So uh, other than that, you can just uh, reach me at Dave at CharnyCoaching.com.
0: There you go. Well, hey, appreciate you, Dave. Thank you so much for coming on by. And as always, keep good company. Yeah, so that was my friend Dave uh, talking to us about his consulting with the um, mindfulness and uh, working with schools and working with um, athletes as well as uh, you know just our regular everyday individuals. He's been doing some great work around here in the Philadelphia area, and I'm really really happy to say that I know uh, Dave personally. So, in a nutshell, that's how it all goes down. But hey, you know um, the cool thing about bringing your friends on the podcast, they hook you up with some extra stuff. So, on the very back end of this episode, you will hear a guided meditation brought to you by our, the one and only Dave Jarney. So I think it's really cool that uh, if you're getting into meditation or if you already have your practice and you want to try something else, just fast forward. Well, don't fast forward yet. (laughs) I'll leave in some time for you to get to it. But uh, I think it'd it'd be very helpful for you to at least try it out. Some things work for some people. Some things don't work. But I think you never know what works and what doesn't work unless you, until you actually try. So try it out. See what happens. And have some fun. Get your meditation on. And of course... If you like that meditation, and if you feel like something in this episode really struck home or really hit home, then I'd really uh, encourage you to share this with your friends and your family, and anybody else that you might run across. Because you know, it doesn't have to just be friends. You might have people that just are not quite on that same level or that level that you'd like them like them to be. Maybe you know you feel like they they would they would be better served if they knew just a little bit more. So, um, yeah, direct them over here to our podcast If you know, share with them. Who knows? Maybe that person that irks the hell out of you might be your buddy, all because you share the, the General Fitness Company cast with them. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you listening. And as always, keep your company. Stay tuned for that guided meditation from Dave Charney.
1: Welcome. Find a comfortable seat and an alert posture, whether it be seated in a chair or on the floor or anywhere else where you feel alert and awake. Welcome to this version of a guided sitting meditation. Today we're going to continually practice waking up and returning to the present moment. We'll do this by noticing the breath and trying to maintain focused attention on the breath. Noticing when our attention wanders. So find yourself in a still position, alert, but at rest. And from the stillness in your body, begin to find if you can notice the physical sense of the breath. Not needing to imagine the breath or to think about it. It's already here. Find the place in the body where the breath calls to you. For some people this is their belly or their chest. It also may be higher up in the mouth or the throat or even right below the nose or within the nostrils. Try to pinpoint your awareness on one single point of the breath. In a way where you can just watch it passing through that point over and over again without any effort. And so begin to rest your attention on this point in the body that the breath passes through naturally. And just sit back and observe your awareness as you set the intention to maintain focus and concentration on this point of the breath. There's no need to manipulate the breath in any way. You don't need to make it deeper. You don't need to wish it to be anything other than what it is, natural and flowing, beyond your control. Inevitably, you may find that the mind wanders in various directions, both internally and externally, based on things that automatically arise in your awareness, rather than forcing them away too violently or aggressively, we can just allow them to pass by. in a way that we can just continually come back to the point of the breath allowing whatever distraction came into awareness to fade away. And so we sit and observe with acceptance and patience releasing all expectations for how this practice should feel and what it should look like or how you should be there's no wrong way to do this just by setting the intention to Focus on the breath and to give yourself this gift of time and attention. You're already doing it. Similarly, when the attention is drawn to distraction, the moment you notice is the moment you're back. There is nothing more to this practice than to just continually notice and return to the point of the breath. Notice if you're holding tightly to the breath and maybe loosen your grip a bit, if we don't allow ourselves to float away at times, we won't be able to strengthen the ability to return. Be gentle with your awareness. Hold your breath in the body with care and attention, and most of all acceptance. Just in allowing of what is, of what's present in this moment. your curiosity and an interest to each breath as it passes through the body. As soon as you notice that your mind has wandered, you've already returned. Continue to observe the nature of mind as you focus your attention on the breath. You have now completed this session of sitting meditation. Take a moment to appreciate this time and savor these last seconds before slowly blinking your eyes open and coming back to the room, coming back to your day.